for Professor Sherman Clark. Morning. Being the big man on campus was no laughing matter. Get up there with a hit, Jimmy Hopper. You got to work out. You got to push a switch. The next time. Here we go. One, two. His body was disproportionate. Anything I can get for you? Juice, coffee, rack of lamb. His family <laughs> was dysfunctional. I don't know why everybody trying to lose weight in the first place. You're talking about that's healthy. I know what healthy is. And his love life. I'm a big fan. Thank you very much. I'm fatter. Flattered. Was disastrous. <laughs> but now, thanks to the miracle of science, <laughs> he's about to make a change for the thinner. Actually, we got a, a message from a friend of the pod, Tim Andrews, who's a postal worker and in Minnesota, I believe. And holy moly, nicest message that our pod helped him get through some of his shifts in the more difficult times of the pandemic. And I thought that was really, really nice to hear. And thank you, Tim, for your hard work. That is so wonderful. And yeah. And to anybody else who's an essential worker and listens to this pod... Thank you. I think you do more for us than we do for you. Oh, but yes. I appreciate absolutely. the nice words. And let me, let me be absolutely clear on Nadia's and my status. We are not essential workers. No, no, uh, no. I'm not essential in a lot of ways. <laughs> <laughs> just, we, uh, we, um, we are just awful. Uh, well, actually, Nadia's actually a very lovely person uh, who, Aww, who I've thanks, pal. Uh, known for, I guess, almost nine years now. Um, yeah and uh and i if we were a kid they would be a little tiny precocious little shithead (laughs) (laughs) and instead of that you just have me the fully grown 33 year old precocious shithead and i'm okay with that oh this is your jesus year how is it well obviously it's not going well no it's going okay like um i do feel like some of my best work uh, has has been happening after I turned 33, which is also, of course, true of Jesus. Uh, yes. And so, uh, Not in his carpentry industry, though. No. Um, we're, we're talking about his side hustle. No, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, he was a carpenter. And uh, and then, you know, the other stuff he did, and that was just, he was hustling. <laughs> he was hustling. Was, He's like the Harrison Ford of his time. <laughs> <laughs> that was um you know that and it's it's weird that he's best known for the side hustle but right. you know um i mean sometimes that's what happens i mean if you think about it the guys who made it's always sunny in philadelphia right like they they shot uh the pilot for like 80 bucks right and it was just it was just yeah. them uh and their friends and uh, and now that show has been on, I believe, for 45 years. <laughs> yeah. Wait, were they 33 when they shot it? Oh, I have no idea. But okay, we're going to say yes. That could have been an amazing fact. That could have been an amazing fact because then it would have come full circle. And then people who are 33 I'm looking up. could be like. Okay, so Glenn Howerton, Charlie Day, and Rob McElhenney are all 43 or 44. So when did... It's always Ugh, sunny. There's math. You, you. This is all you, bud. Yeah. So they were born in '76. Always Sunny in Philadelphia premiered in 2005. So '76 to 2005, they were at 39. I think. Oh shit! No way. No, they were 29. They were 29. 
Oh. Oh, well, now I feel worse because I'm yeah, in my 30s like, well, and I have Okay, actually, nothing. fuck those guys. <laughs> Welcome back to Probably Should Have Known Better Season 3. I am one half of your host. Today, I am Nadia Vasquez. Tomorrow, who knows who I'll be because I drank a solution that could make me someone else. <laughs> and I am, as always, joined by the other half, Tony Ginocchio. Hello, Nadia. Uh, it is good to be back. You know I love doing the show with you. So fun. Um, I regret making this the first pick. <laughs> I was curious why you picked it, but I didn't I didn't want to question it. But I have a yeah. really important question before we start. Of the, course. When I said half, one half, it made me mm-hmm. think of sandwiches. Mm-hmm. And my question is, when you make sandwiches at home, do you cut the sandwich in half before you eat it, or do you eat it whole? Great question. I eat it whole. Whoa. And you my don't... wife my wife cuts it in half. So in many ways, we're a perfect couple. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. I cut it in half also. So maybe you're just uh, you're surrounded by people who cut things in half. <laughs> May- <laughs> is, yeah, maybe. Is this relevant? No. But no. still, we're very no. excited to be here. <laughs> we're so thrilled. And, and, and folks, it's season three. Yeah. We want to do something a little different for this season. And it's time for everyone's part of the pod, favorite part of the podcast, where we explain the rules <laughs> of how this season will work. Yes. Um, look, if you guys have listened to this show before, you know that every week we watch usually a movie. Sometimes it's a TV show. Sometimes it's a stand-up special uh, that just doesn't hit the same way that it used to. Yeah, or uh, it's just Jeff Dunham and it doesn't hit at all. Or or sometimes we just watch Jeff Dunham for fun because we love Jeff Dunham yeah. on this show. Some of us do. <laughs> but uh, we always pick things, you know, that used to have some sort of relevance, right? So maybe they were like a, a really big box office hit. Maybe they had a, a bunch of really famous actors in them. Maybe they were a festival hit. Um, maybe they were something that we really liked growing up, like Garden State. Um, yeah. Or... Or in one case, maybe it was Ashwarya Rai's first attempt to break into uh, Western uh, filmmaking. But uh, for this season, we really wanted to just do the heavy hitters. So yes. we are only going to do movies this season that were in the top 10 highest grossing films of their respective year. Which, if you look at that list, has some real fucking bangers on it. <laughs> yeah, it does. L- literally, I was shocked. <laughs> I w- when, when you sent over this list that you so graciously, thank you, compiled, I thought, holy shit. Also, I noticed that as time went on, comedies just weren't in the top ten. That's exactly right. Yeah. So uh, what happens as time goes on is studios start to consolidate, right? And all of the top grossing movies end up being superhero shit. 
um, and, and Star Wars, and like it's basically all Di- it's Disney owned properties now. I think eight of the top ten movies from last year were all Disney uh, Disney produced. Yeah, um, which is you know not great from a valuing originality and artistic storytelling standpoint. Yeah, exactly. And it's not great for comedy either because you know time was you could make a film that was like basically didn't have any special effects, didn't have um, a particularly big-name cast, and it, it could, if you played your cards right, make a boatload of money. I think American Pie, while a terrible film for many <laughs> reasons, starred a bunch of nobodies and uh, had a really basic 86-minute script and for some reason became immensely popular. Um, you yeah. can't do that anymore? Not at all. Not, there's. No, I don't really know if there's such thing as what I'm calling a comedy juggernaut, which I would consider this movie to be. Absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty sad. And, and, you know, I know a lot of comedy writers really want that to be a respected art form again, but I also just don't think things are that good right now. <laughs> no, no, um, no, we're not. We're not in the, you know, obviously in 2020 we have two seasons of probably should have known better being released so it is in many ways the best year ever yes but in in many other ways not a great year no no so we have to go all the way back to 1996 for our first episode for our first comedy juggernaut the nutty professor why did you pick this one uh, the honest reason I picked this one is because we almost did it last season. Okay. <laughs> and I wanted to do it. But, um, but part of the reason I picked this, and this is The Naughty Professor, this is 1996, it's directed by Tom Shadiak, but you know it as uh, the film that stars Eddie Murphy, Jada Pinkett Smith, Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy, <laughs> Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy, and Dave Chappelle. And... Part of the reason I picked this is because it was an immensely successful film. I saw it around the time it came out, and I remember even then thinking it was really bad. Um, <laughs> That's good. I, this was the first time I'd seen it, so yeah. I was confused if I was wa- watching the right movie. And, uh, <laughs> and and also because we have never done a film starring Eddie Murphy before. Hello. And while Eddie Murphy has been in many films that are, in fact, really bad, um, <laughs> they've all made shitloads of money. That's he also true. used to be in good movies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of my favorite movies growing up was Coming to America. Yeah, Coming to America is great, and uh, Trading Places is really good, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, and so all of a sudden, you know, he's like, I want to put on a fat suit in many i want to put on a variety of fat suits <laughs> i want to put on seven different fat suits nadia do you want to take a swing at a synopsis of the plot yes yes so this movie is about a scientist named sherman clump who invents this miraculous weight loss solution that changes and alters the dna inside of you that makes you fat basically so he there's this chemistry grad student named Carla Purdy. Purdy, the name. Perfect. So clever. Uh, they, it go, they go on a date, and it goes really badly because Dave Chappelle, with some fake teeth, starts making fun of the crowd, just doing some crowd work, and starts just really hammering into uh, Professor Clump and made him feel really sad. And I was almost turning off the movie by this point. And he... <laughs> 
he says, you know what, I'm just going to, you know, I'm working on the solution to alter DNA. I'm just going to do it on myself because I'm tired of people being mean to me. And he does. And he turns into this alter ego who's obnoxious and very testosterone named Buddy Love. And yeah. is and, the and worst. <laughs> it is so over the top. It is like Buddy Love is played by Eddie Murphy without a fat suit. But right. Eddie Murphy is essentially playing like the human version of his donkey character from Shrek. <laughs> yes. yes, but, like, on steroids, probably. Like, just, and it's uh, it's so obnoxious and over the top. The, the overacting is really, when he's in the costumes and stuff, it's, it's like, okay, I get it. But when he's not in costume, he's bigger than those characters. And I don't know how he did it. I don't know if it's just, like, the sheer volume at which he spoke or, like, just the general attitude. But he was just this very unlikable guy. And so it was, it then becomes a battle of the internal uh, Professor Clump versus Buddy Love, and obviously Buddy Love causes Professor Clump a lot of trouble because he's a womanizer, he's an asshole, he's like really aggressive and just basically the opposite of Professor Clump. So hilarity in quotes ensues. <laughs> Um, the film is also 90 minutes on the dot, which is the other reason I picked it. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, the other, you know, so some other things about this film, this is, and it feels so weird to say, an Academy Award winner. Um, For this what? Movie, yes, this movie won Best Makeup at the 1996 Oscars because Eddie Murphy is in a big fat suit and his face is altered. He's got, uh, and, and he also plays every member of the Clump family. So he plays his own grandma, his grandpa, his his mom, his brother, um, just a bunch of fat people all sitting around the same table, farting really loud. What? Um, is parodied very effectively by Jack Black in the movie Tropic Thunder. Um, so it did win Best Makeup. Uh, it made, let me get the exact number here, $128 million Christ. domestic box office, wow. making it the number five highest grossing film of 1996. Number one was Independence Day. Um, the other thing to call out about this film is it is technically a remake. Um, hmm. The Nutty Professor was originally a movie made in 1963, uh, with the same plot uh, starring Jerry Lewis. And so uh, instead of Jerry Lewis being in a fat suit, it was Jerry Lewis as like a, a big nerdy guy, like like a Professor Frank type character. I mean, he inspired the Professor Frank character on The Simpsons being a nerdy guy. And he fell in love with a grad student and he took his magic juice to make him cool. And that turned him into Rat Pack Jerry Lewis, basically. Right. Uh, who was also named Buddy Love. Uh, and then, you know, quote-unquote hilarity ensued. I've seen the Jerry Lewis film. It's it's all right. It's decent. It's way better than this um, because it doesn't rely so heavily on fat jokes and fart jokes. <laughs> um, and Jerry Lewis is actually an executive producer on this film. Um, so he knew about it uh, and maybe still knows about it. I don't remember if he died or not. But, I don't know. I don't know much about Jerry Lewis. <laughs> uh, that's fine. Um, he's big into, like, the French people like him, and he's big into raising funds for, I want to say muscular dystrophy. But uh, So a aside, good guy. So a good guy. That aside, Nadia, it's 1996. 
I don't know if we've covered this year before. In fact, I don't think we have. I don't think we have either because I was surprised to see what the top song was on the Billboard charts that year, which was No Doubts Don't Speak, a great karaoke song. That's a great song. Love it. Uh, That was the top song, the top movies, as you mentioned, uh, included Independence Day, but also included Mission Impossible and Twister. Um, (laughs) Thinking about Twister, I remember seeing it and when the cow was sucked up by the tornado, I was really sad. And I think that's why I became a vegetarian. So it was, it's, it's a whole thing. I, I was just flashbacked. Um, so the top TV shows of that year were ER, Seinfeld, Suddenly Susan, the Brooke Shields comedy, Friends, and The Naked Truth in that order. Um, the top toys of the year. I always like to see this because I was one of those kids that was always watching commercials. Like, what's the newest thing that I need? Oh, capitalism really got me. Uh, Tickle Me Elmo and the N64 were the mm. biggest toys in- and included Pokemon Yellow for the Game Boy Color, which I had. <laughs> um, the biggest meme of that year, a meme before we knew what a meme was, was the Macarena. So if TikTok had existed back then... Uh, just would, imagine how insufferable that would have been. I know. Oh, dude, we w- did not record the pod at all during WAP season, so we have to do at least <laughs> one WAP reference this episode because we, okay. we missed out on three months of it. You know, I, I've already thought of like three different places I can put it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> I look forward to this. Um, 1996 was also the year that Tupac was murdered. Pour one out for Pac. And was also... The year that John Bonet Ramsey was murdered, pour one out for John Bonet Ramsey. <laughs> yeah, pour one out, guys. <laughs> um, also, 1996, I don't know if you remember this, but I vividly do. Uh, Taco Bell put out an April Fool's Day prank where they said that they were going to rename the Liberty Bell the Taco Bell. The Taco Liberty Bell. Which oh, I think would have been a really big improvement. I think I do remember this. I, I think it would have been a big improvement because I've seen the Liberty Bell and it's not that exciting. But if it was like surrounded by like salsas or something, I'd be like, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, so everyone was all pissed about that. That was one of the first times that collectively people got pissed at a corporation. Um, also, after the release of Scream in 1996, um, caller ID usage tripled in the United States. <laughs> So that one had a big impact on everybody. Um, Divisive friend of the podcast, Jim Carrey, made $20 million, which is the first time any actor had made that much money for a single movie for the cable guy. Um, And he's not a friend of the podcast, but is someone we hope won't sue us. Uh, Tom Cruise that year (laughs) was sailing in his yacht off of the island of Capri and saw a sinking sailboat. And he and it started to catch on fire, and he actually set sail towards the accident and pulled five victims to safety. So he's a real life hero. That's awesome. Yeah. You know what? I take back anything bad I've said about him. I don't think I've said anything bad about him. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, he doesn't have people like scrubbing every piece of media that comes out until they feel they hear his name. In which uh, case, sorry, we didn't mean it. Um, yeah, it's a comedy podcast. Uh, it, it's uh, meant in parody. Exactly. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's 1996. A lot of a lot of good stuff. Um, at that age, I was probably still really into the Backstreet Boys. Do you remember what your like? How old were we? Let's see. Uh, in '96, I would have been in like fourth grade, probably. Yeah. What were you into in fourth grade? 
Jesus, I have no idea. I hadn't discovered Magic the Gathering yet, so I guess I was just into practicing trombone. Oh, so you were just like a boring kid. (laughs) You didn't get your, like, stripes of personality until you saw Magic the Gathering for the first time? Well, I mean, like, yeah, fourth grade, I didn't do... I didn't do shit. I was like playing basketball. Like I was, I was not good at it. Um, you were trying to be a jock. I was trying to get involved in activities. Cute. Um, so I started band and basketball the same year, and uh, only one of them stuck. <laughs> uh, only one of them would get you a tracksuit. Only one of them got me the free tracksuit. That was a deep. Uh, that's a deep cut callback. <laughs> yes, it it may be from something we actually ended up cutting from an earlier episode. But I once got a free tracksuit because I was in a marching band. Um. <laughs> a- anyways, let's let's talk about the film. Yeah. Well, actually, and, before we talk about yeah. the movie, Tony, I want to talk a little bit about the comedy. I'm going to say <laughs> comedy in quotes that this movie relied on which was a lot of fat shaming and fat phobia um i think it would be a good for us to have a frame of reference of where that all comes from so that we can be like a little bit more educated on how this whole thing works but uh, i want to tell the difference between fat shaming and fat phobia which um fat shaming is what we see in this movie but it comes from fat phobia so fat shaming is actually being critical or demeaning towards someone who is fat uh, but fat phobia is different because it doesn't involve verbal or written criticism uh, directed at a specific person. It's more internalized and shapes how people see and talk about fat people. So the writers of this movie, which include Eddie Murphy, have like a deep like fear of people who are fat or becoming fat. That's what fat phobia is. So that kind of shapes the comedy of that. Um, more often than not, girls and women are people who are fat shamed more often we see a lot more of that in social media but at that time there was a lot of like tabloids of like oh my gosh I'm shocked because this actress gained weight and so it just kind of sends that message to people that like fatness is something to be ashamed of pardon So I did a little like deep dive on it and there's this really amazing book. It took me like two days to read. Um, It's called Fearing the Black Body, The Racial Origins of Fat Phobia by Sabrina Strings. And it's, this shit goes far back. Um, According to Strings, she says, having a slim figure was the aesthetic goal for most people in the West since the 19th century, but it had nothing to do with health. If anything, Before that, if you were fat, it meant that you had money and you could eat. But if you Mm -hmm. were poor, you were thinner. And so you'd see someone thin, you'd be like, "Mm, this one's poor. That's like the opposite of what it is now. Um, But according to Strings, fat phobia can be rooted in the transatlantic slave trade and Protestantism because colonists and... um, Hold on one second. Colonists and race scientists suggested that black people were sensuous and thus prone to sexual and oral excess. So they said that if you're fat, you are indulging in like the pleasures of the body and that is a sin. So it like obviously that affected. And and we get that being Catholic. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense that they would say that. But uh, fatness was deemed evidence of immorality and racial inferiority. 
Um, and because of those prejudices that were developed against the African people who were brought over just horribly and illegally, fat phobia still affects people across all genders and races in the West today, as we see in like a bunch of things on in Hollywood, like Monica in Friends, who has like her fat suit and she dances mm-hmm. in it. Uh, Shallow Hal's another example. That new show on Netflix, Insatiable, that has since been canceled. Um, oh my god, I forgot about that. Yeah, so oh, it's like, that looked so bad. It's so it's so bad, and and sends just a horrible message. But but because of this prejudice, it actually like permeated through all races, all gender identities, and. Uh, the goal of the race race scientists, Protestant reformers, and later doctors was to convince all the Americans that being fat was a woeful state of affairs that all should shun. All should all should shun. I can't read. Um, in this way, it is seen as a sin, and thinness is a privilege. And if you're somebody who is not thin, it means that you are indulging in these like horrible pleasures that will eventually send you to hell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so and it's I, crazy. I don't know if I don't know if Eddie Murphy intended to carry all of those points across in his. Film, no, not but... at all, not at all. But I mean, it all comes from somewhere, so it's yes. important to know where it comes from. But I also wanted to just suggest. Uh, people to do a little more research on this this is just a tiny snapshot of what is out there but in essence fat people are just treated terribly and uh just so like there's people out there who are like yeah but what about like health fat people can't be healthy that's not true especially if you go by the bmi because the bmi is a lie it was introduced by a mathematician, not a physician, and he produced the formula to like create the BMI to give a, a way to uh, assist the government in allocating resources. So it's not actually based in any kind of statistics or like physiological results or anything like that. And and it also makes no allowances for like bone density and mm-hmm. muscle and any of that stuff. So like uh, a BMI would be really high in like an athlete. And they would be considered overweight, which is not the case. If they need to be an athlete, you know, they need to have, like, muscle and depending on what they need to work out for. But fat people face a lot of prejudice in the medical community. Like, more often than not, doctors will just be like, oh, what are your ailments? Okay, great. We'll just lose weight and it'll go away. When people actually have actual issues like PCOS or, you know, something going on with their heart or their liver, whatever, an actual ailment that is just not going to be treated. Um, and additionally, insurance companies charge a higher premium for people who have a higher BMI. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, great. It's all fucked up. And so you, you're facing the prejudices in at the doctor. You're facing your prejudices like around you with everyone else. Then you go to the movies because you really want to have a nice time and a nice night out. And you just watch The Nutty Professor and just feel worse <laughs> and worse. About yeah. your situation. So, so that's the thing about this movie is like it's insane. Like it is insanely fat phobic. Like ninety percent of the jokes are, "Isn't it funny that this guy is fat and now he's farting?" Yeah, like, that's ninety percent of the movie. But the explicit message of the film is, and, and I say explicit message because it's delivered by the main character in a mm-hmm. monologue in the final scene of the film while he's looking into the camera. <laughs> is you need to be happy with yourself for who you are. 
Yeah, uh, but the whole movie. <laughs> but the previous 89 minutes of the film. Yeah, it was kind of like that thing where we discovered that Ricky Gervais was like at being an asshole the whole time in The Invention yeah. of Lying. It's like the same. Th- I was just like, there's no satisfaction in this message because the whole movie was relying on like fart jokes and yeah. just shaming him. It's just It was really sad. But I'm just to close up here, um, there is a really amazing community online where they're educating people on reclaiming and reframing the word fat. And uh, just kind of talking about the stigmatization of it and finding more positivity in different types of bodies. So if you're interested in that, you can look that up. Uh, Teen Vogue especially has a Mm -hmm. lot of great articles about this because Teen Vogue is fucking the best. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, yeah. So I, I wanted to just go into, like, the history of it because, you know, we're not born thinking people who are fat are fat and thinking of them poorly it's something that's like ingrained in us and especially I know in my experience because I have had weight fluctuations that like the shame of being like higher up in the in the scale of something is just like it's so unnecessary it causes so many psychological problems and eating disorders and everything and like it it all comes from fucking people who didn't want to (laughs) fuck And thought that, like, hot people would make them go to hell. <laughs> so, you know, it's all a lie. Most of the things that we're discovering about what how we live is all a lie. So this is also one of them. Look it up. Feel better about yourself. It's going to be okay. <laughs> and nothing makes you, I think, feel better about this than the opening shot of the film, which is a workout video uh, with Eddie Murphy in whiteface. <laughs> As a, like, fake Richard Simmons-type character. I thought that was a pretty good one. <laughs> of all of the characters, that one was pretty good. That That is probably the most well-written character he plays in the film. Yeah, uh, definitely. And, uh, and then uh, we pretty much get uh, introduced uh, right away to Sherman Klump, uh, the fat uh, genetics professor played by... Eddie Murphy, and uh, we're introduced to him by a horrible mishap at the <laughs> university at which he works, in which he's been doing research on hamsters, and all the hamsters got out. And that's the first <laughs> ten minutes of the film, is it's fucking just escaping hamster gags. Hamsters flying into people's mouths. <laughs> flying into people's mouths, flies into a sandwich at one point flies up a guy's <laughs> pants and starts wriggling around in the pant leg while he's talking to a, a girl and the girl sees it's like oh he has a huge dick that's awesome <laughs> and it's moving around to and fro and it's mo- and it's moving back and forth like it's got a fucking mind of its own <laughs> um and what we learn is that uh the the hamsters all got out because Sherman Clump uh bumped the uh, switch that opens all the cages at the same time. Seems like a terrible switch to have in the lab, but he bumped the switch yeah. that opens all the cages at the same time with his uh, giant fat ass while he was uh, leaving the lab. Uh, so that's about I, the level point, of story we're going to be working at. Yeah, and at that point, I was like, oh no. Again, it's the first time I've seen this movie. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't even know how it's going to get, how it could possibly get worse. Oh, but they was I they, wrong? they find many ways. They find many yeah, ways. yeah. Um, 
we also meet uh, Sherman Klump's boss, who's played by uh, the comedian Larry Miller, um, and he has some weird lines early in the film. Um, it says, Sherman, for years you've single-handedly alienated every donor, uh, which is weird because Sherman Klump is presented throughout the film as like a, a just kind of generally sweet, nice, polite man. Yeah, and um, very well respected with the people that he works with. Yeah, and, and so it's like, okay, so is he? Is it just the donors don't like fat people? Um, <laughs> he says, Larry Miller says at one point, those National Rifle people are right. If I had one now, bang. And I'm like, wait, so you're gonna just kill him? Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah, he threatens violence very easily. <laughs> yes. Um, so we, we kind of have like the kind of establishing early level of conflict which is that sherman's on thin ice with his boss yeah and And the other thing is is it includes one of my favorite gags that is used in so many movies from the 90s where something gross is happening but the person who's monologuing doesn't see it in this case a (laughs) hamster is hanging from the chandelier and is shitting into the principal's coffee and and clump is like trying to tell him like no like don't drink the coffee and he's just like get out of here and then he ends up drinking the shit coffee and then the hamster falls in the coffee and i always love that gag there's one of those gags from the 90s where i'm like i would never tire of seeing this extremely 90s aesthetic throughout yeah. this movie <laughs> definitely um, the music cues the uh costuming for sure um and of course our leading lady who is uh jada pinkett pre jada pinkett smith days <laughs> That's right. She's oh. a leading lady, looking good. Uh, yeah, can you good. name a single character trait that she has besides she's attractive? She's attracted to Michael, or to Clump, Sherman Clump. Yes. Okay, that's So fair. I guess that's yes. the other one. She, that's she all, that's lo- all you really need. Like, <laughs> if you want a girlfriend, just find someone who's into you, and it doesn't matter anything else. I'm going to say she's a little underwritten. <laughs> A little bit. But she walks in, big, like, string music cue, and she comes in, she's like, oh, Professor Klump, I'm a huge fan of yours. And he says, wow, I'm fatter. I mean, flatter. <laughs> Which is not how fat people talk. Did you forget to mention that he has an entire drawer full of Snickers? <laughs> and that he was eating, like, half of a Snickers when she walked in? Uh, no, but I did log uh, other candy bar gags that will come later in the <laughs> Thank you. It's just, it's so heavy-handed in in such a mean way, but okay. I guess I have to be on board if I have to watch the rest of this movie. Um, so he's, uh, he immediately falls for her. Yeah, because she's Jada Pinkett, I mean, yeah. Well, her last name is Purdy, I mean. In fairness, Miss Purdy, I think, was also the name of the character in the original Nutty Professor film. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So it was a lame thing from the 60s. It was a lame, it, Got it. It's not a lame thing from 1996. It's a lame thing from 1963. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Yeah, um, so so he's just, like, flummoxed because she's beautiful. And she's being nice to him, which we see later as he walks through campus. Some people just kind of, like, look at him and, and say kind of mean comments under their breath. And so we're getting a little bit of a glimpse into his world of being a fat professor meanwhile there's no other fat people at that school which is very hard to believe but you know where there are other fat people nadia 
at his house. The clump household. <laughs> uh, so we, this is like 15 minutes in, we meet uh, the rest of Sherman Clump's family who are all played by Eddie Murphy. Uh, and that starts the, the longest kid. scene. <laughs> it's so, it's this, so long. This scene, which is them eating dinner at the table, and again, it's like one. Let me think: one, two, three, four, five characters played by Eddie Murphy plus a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, both uh, Eddie Murphy's playing both genders. Like he, they're all big fat people. This feels like a pile of discarded stand-up bits. Yes, <laughs> like. There, there's one part where the the uh, I think the grandpa says, "Oh, what's wrong with being fat?" Luther Vandross, N word, used to be the black Pavarotti. I'm not gonna say the N word, that, but that's okay. But uh, I beg but, of you not to. <laughs> <laughs> but like that feels like something that he like shit out when he was writing a stand up set, and he's like, "Well, that's not that funny." And then he's yeah. like, "Oh, but I could have a dumb character say it." Right, um, right. And also, then he threw in the Oprah thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Based on the bloopers at the end, I feel like a lot of this was improvised. How do you improvise? God, he, but he's improvising with himself. That's the worst part. <laughs> I mean, that's it, when you... I mean, I don't know much about Eddie Murphy, but based off of just a lot of things I've heard about him, if you're a narcissist, you can <laughs> improvise off yourself. <laughs> He plays the the grandma, and she's not like other grandmas. She's a horny grandma. Oh, yeah. Everyone loves a horny grandma. Everyone loves a horny grandma. Um, That should be on a shirt. If we ever have merch, it should say, (laughs) probably shoulda, on the front, and then on the back, everyone Everyone loves loves a horny grandma. I like that. Um, Yeah, she's like, oh, I like that Mike Douglas. Mike Douglas used to make me moist when I watched his show. Uh, And then... um, they're talking about like ways to get thinner sherman's mom says well you get a you get a colon cleansing and sherman's grandpa says you want me to clean my colon and then he just farts for and like then just so much farting everybody around the table just starts fart like loud wet farts <laughs> for what feels like forever for it's the longest scene but i i think we failed to mention though that sherman is trying to just exist at the table with his family and not be this stereotype and not like overeat and he's being very conscious about what he's putting in his body and basically saying i don't need to eat as much as all of you which was like a very interesting thing because he's stigmatizing his own family but Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you know is stigmatized by everyone else so it's obviously those messages that he's getting outside are like in his head, which I think will lead to his eventual choice to drink the yeah. DNA solution eventually. So he yeah. feels a lot of shame about it. It's He's really extre- sad. Extremely insecure, and also right after this scene, he had he asks out Miss Purdy. He like goes to her house, asks her out. She's like, "Let's go to the club Scream on Friday." Uh, scream! What a cool he, name. And he has a horny sex dream about her. <laughs> Uh, where she is crushed to death under his weight. Yeah, and then he farts really, really loud because he's a giant, like, Godzilla. Oh, no, and... the, the Godzilla dream, there's two dream sequences. Oh, my God, did I forget? <laughs> there's two dream sequences. The second one comes like, we can cover it now, that's fine. 
he he has another dream sequence where he's like in the er and they're like doctor he's getting fatter and then he becomes a giant godzilla uh fat man and then nadia uh already kind of alluded to how it ended yeah he farts this really loud fart but then there's this guy who lights a cigarette and the guy's like no don't do that and he lights his cigarette and the whole world explodes like a nuclear bomb. Mushroom cloud, yeah. It's horrifying. <laughs> it's hor Like, who, how do you come up with something like that? So, just absolute lowest common denominator shit in this just, film. Come on. We get a, so, so these dreams, like, spur him to try to get in shape. So we get a montage of him, like, going to the gym getting acupuncture um he's doing curls at one point but he's curling a candy bar into his mouth yeah um but it kind of works at the end like he actually like starts to feel better about himself yeah he he was struggling to to climb some stairs he was just overacting his little heart out trying to get (laughs) up those stairs and then later in the montage he makes it to the top of the stairs he's all sweaty but he's made it very uh, the, rocky kind of vibe. Yeah, the the acupuncturist was putting needles in and then saying, "You still hungry?" And he's like, "Yes." They'd add more needles. The montage would continue, and then at the end, he had like thousands of needles in his body because that is the only way that would curb his appetite. Uh, the other thing that we failed to mention in this montage is the uh, aerobics class. He goes to an aerobics class full of thin women. And can't keep up with the choreo, uh, breaks the little trampoline that they're all hopping on, but in the end is able to, you know, keep He gets on. there. Yeah, yeah, he gets there. So there is a certain level of success. You're, I guess, rooting for him to lose weight. Yeah. So then... That feels weird to say, but okay. We, we get to, and I, I do, you know, I talked about what the explicit message of the film was. But I also think one of the messages of the film is one time Eddie Murphy had a bad experience with an insult comic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because what happens is Sherman Clump and Miss Purdy go on their first date to Aww, Club Scream. Because she likes him because he's great and smart and brilliant. Yeah. And he's a little he's a little fat for the club because, you know, they're packed in tightly. I think is Montel Jordan performing when they get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Montel, Jordan Montel Jordan is, is there as himself, and um, and then he finishes up, and the MC's like, "Okay, we're bringing out the next comic." And I don't remember the actual character's name, but it's Dave. It's Dave Chappelle. It's Dave Chappelle wearing bad teeth, bad teeth, and, and a hat, a comically large pimp hat. His and he's got again very nineteen ninety six. His pants are down like eight inches from his waist, and and you see most of his boxers. Right. Um, and he and I don't want to say he's hacky, but the literal first line that Dave Chappelle gets is <laughs> "Women be shopping, baby." I never knew where that bit came from. Whenever I'd hear people say it, and when I heard that, I was like, "Oh man." <laughs> um. Uh. And. and uh, I don't even, I'm just mad thinking about this. It's bad. It's, so basically, if you've seen a good comedian do crowd work, it's pretty amazing. Like, you can see somebody just, like, teasing someone. It's really not that bad. Uh, It gets a good laugh out of everybody. You know, you get, like, a stereotype out. 
sets up it sets up a good like warm up basically. And you don't so, want to be like explicitly nasty. No, not at all. And, there, and you definitely don't want to just drill in on one guy over and over. Exactly. If anybody wants to watch really good crowd work, Andrew Schultz has a good it's called the crowd work special. He comes in with no material. He just does crowd work. It's great. But the Dave Chappelle version of it is like, let me cut to the root of who you are <laughs> and stick a knife in there and just do it a lot. <laughs> He was just making fun of everybody, making fun of a woman's wig, making fun of a white guy who possibly has a small penis. And then, and and Sherman is like, oh, fuck. Like, you yeah, can see. Yeah, exactly. He's coming this way. You I can know see it in his face. <laughs> yeah, so he's like, I gotta go. But because that, that club is packed so tightly, he turns around, knocks over someone, and then bends over. And then the most iconic line that I heard on the Oak Ridge Elementary School blacktop it's a full moon tonight. <laughs> Do you know how many boys used to say that whenever a girl would bend over? It was so ridiculous. But did they do the follow-up with, like, I think they found Jimmy Hoffa? No. <laughs> yeah, I don't that think one, we all would know that one. <laughs> that, that one doesn't really fly as well with the grade school crowd. Um, <laughs> and, like, like, so Dave Chappelle does, like, a bunch of you're so fat, you got to put your belt on with a boomerang jokes. Yeah. And it's it's so hacky. So and, uncomfortable. And when you watch this scene, you're like, oh, this these are meant to be bad, hacky jokes. This isn't meant to be funny because mm-hmm. it's this character being cruel to Sherman. But then a later scene, which we'll get to, is like, wait, are these actually jokes that Eddie Murphy thinks are funny? <laughs> Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Because that that part, I had to like pause and take a lap around my apartment. Because I was so upset. But um, but during this whole thing, Jada Pinkett, Miss Purdy, is like visibly uncomfortable. Feels but awful. Ni- yeah, but n- none of them, neither of them make any, you know, effort to leave w- yeah. or to like say anything back. But it just basically slowly pans into a tight close-up of Sherman looking really sad. And at that point, I was, I was heartbroken. I was like, yeah. I don't, I'm not invested in this movie until right now, and I really hate everyone. And this is now a third of the way into the film, um, which is a long time to go before the actual main thing that happens in the movie happens. Yes. Um, but this is what eventually pushes Sherman to say, you know what, I've been trying to put together this formula to make these hamsters lose weight, but it's time to just test it on myself. Yeah, and and before that, uh, he drops off Miss Purdy at her apartment, and it's raining, and they have these these newspapers to cover their heads because they don't want to get wet and he she's like i'm really sorry about what happened he's like don't worry about it don't worry about it it'll be fine she goes she goes inside and he doesn't put his newspaper up over his head so that he can get wet and i was like this is too sad this is too much it was very heavy-handed about how shameful he felt about himself but i guess you know here we go. So he's in his lab, and it's he just has had enough. It's yeah. it's from everyone. It's his boss, it's his students that also make fun of him, and then it was this com- this comic. So it's time to 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 do like the Atkins version yeah. of, <laughs> of weight loss. 
so he he drinks the formula and immediately loses like 300 pounds it transforms into eddie murphy yeah yeah it's like radioactive <laughs> yes screams i'm thin i'm thin sees himself in the in the mirror and uh some real just real fun lines like i can see my dick now um i'm an a cup i don't need a bra anymore that was that was a real real fun one uh and uh and the weirdest thing and i think this is just an artifact of the time is he goes to a clothing store uh (laughs) as as his thin self and and the uh, clerk is like hey can i help you find anything he's like i want all spandex uh, yeah and then we just get a lot of scenes of him flexing in spandex in the mirror i think he was just trying to show off how ripped he was because <laughs> i mean he's pretty ripped it's i i no, he is you. he looks good in this film yeah 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 uh, so it's it's just like another ridiculous montage starts there uh where he's like actually uh you know, going to the aerobics class, doing everything, saying, like, I don't have titties anymore. You have nice titties, but I don't have titties. Kind oh, of I vibe. forgot about that line. Jesus Christ. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so there was that, and, and it's just kind of ridiculous. But the important part here is Miss Purdy comes in to check on Professor Clunk. That was a really mean thing that happened at the club. She gotta go, she's got to go make sure that he's okay. And lo and behold, skinny Eddie Murphy's there. She's like, who are you? And instead of telling her the truth <laughs> and say, it's me, my DNA thing worked, he's like, I'm, uh, and then a security guard comes in, calls him Buddy. He's like, yes, he says, Buddy. Yeah. My name is Buddy. And his last name is Love because he looked at her and felt love. Yeah. So, I mean, it is a 90s romantic comedy, which means there is an unnecessary elaborate lie that we have to perpetuate <laughs> way thought, longer than is reasonable. I thought it, I thought it was going to go in a different direction because I'd never seen it. I thought he was going to be like, look at this thing that I can do. And nope. then, no, it wasn't. And he, but internally, he's internalized that she wouldn't want him if he was fat. Yeah. So, so we got to figure out this next part because Buddy Love, <laughs> Skitty Eddie Murphy, asks out Miss Purdy. Right. Then, because the 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 formula is only temporary, he eventually um, transforms back into Sherman. Miss um, Purdy runs into Sherman, and Sherman's like, "Oh yeah, that's cool. Buddy loves a cool guy. I know him. You should go out with him." So what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's like, and then she's like, "Okay," which is another <laughs> thing. I thought she liked Sherman. So, okay, so another trait that this character has is she's fickle. <laughs> so she she's attractive. She's attracted to Sherman, and she's fickle. Great. Well-rounded. <laughs> yeah, so so eventually they – she agrees to go out with Buddy, mm-hmm. and they go back to Scream because, of course. Because, of course, I mean, there's, she only knows one place. Yeah, yeah. But it's not just – it's not going to be the same experience because this is – Sherman 2.0, the better version. This is confident, skinny, attractive, and as it turns out, extremely high T. (laughs) Sherman, because that, as we learn later, is a side effect of the formula as it shoots your testosterone through the roof. Exactly. Yeah, so he, for some reason, has a really nice car all of a sudden, (laughs) is ripping through the streets. Yeah, Dodge Viper... 
nice car, incredible suit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> bright red suit. Just looking like a hack, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, looking like a douchebag. And he, you know, sp- speeds through the streets, does a squealing stop at the front of the restaurant, and apparently is late. Mm-hmm. to his date with Miss Purdy. And they had they had agreed to meet at 8 o'clock. He shows up at 8.40. What a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> but you just this is the difference between Buddy Love and Sherman Clump. He's kind of a dick. So she says, I'm going to leave. And he puts on the huge this huge show, Crocodile <laughs> Tears, begging her on his knees not to leave in front of all of those people in line. It was... Just so uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. And she's just like, fine, fine, fine. I'll, I'll stay, I'll stay. Which is what we call manipulation. <laughs> okay, so that brings us to the main scene in the film that I would like to discuss for like the next three hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. They bring out Dave Chappelle again. He does his late women be shopping bit. Now, in, then... fa- in fairness, they do be shopping, though. But, yeah. <laughs> But you know what? Because of Amazon, men be shopping now too. Men be shopping now too. All, men be all genders too. be shopping. <laughs> all genders be shopping. Non-binary people, well, they be shopping. <laughs> so, so you know, we're seeing the same thing, and 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 Buddy Love is like really selling it, really laughing really hard, jumping up and down his seat, you know, climbing up and down the aisle, just being way like overselling laughing. it, just way overselling too it. much. But then things take a turn. <laughs> He so, starts being mean back. He starts being mean back. And this is this is where suddenly the previous scene starts to curdle in your mm-hmm. mind. Because, yes. because you're like, oh, I saw Dave Chappelle do all these jokes, and those were supposed to be dumb, hacky jokes. And then we get to this scene, and it's Eddie Murphy turning it back on Dave Chappelle and just doing dumb, hacky jokes. <laughs> Yeah, and it's not like even about Dave Chappelle. It's about his mama. So it's just your mama like jokes. Just incredible. It treated like incredible owns by the crowd. He's like, Reggie's mama's... So, <laughs> Reggie is uh, Dave Chappelle's character. Reggie. Name. Reggie's mama's so fat, her blood type is Rocky Road. Like, just kills. Oh, my God. You would think that he would just, like, lay into Dave Chappelle's character, Reggie. Yeah. He like he does eventually, but yeah. he has to do some more fat jokes before that. I didn't like that. I didn't your, like that at all. Your breath is so stink, people look forward to your farts. <laughs> like that that's like that's uh, like the cool, confident buddy love finally asserting himself. That's the fucking line that does it. And then he goes on stage and starts beating the shit out of Reggie. Yeah, he beats him so hard he's almost unconscious and then throws starts... him inside the grand piano on yeah. stage. <laughs> that was cool i felt like that was like a funny that was one gag i didn't expect so it did make me laugh but it was really hacky really not the direction that i thought it was going to go but what what am i thinking about this isn't a smart comedy i had like a 12 minute scene of farting what did i expect there's more coming there's more farts coming folks yeah yeah yeah, yeah of course um it just and and so he again he just delivers all these hacky jokes at like top vol top eddie murphy scream volume which yeah. is at best good in small doses mm-hmm. and and jada pinkett her character laughing it up she loves it loves it she that- loved it she hated it when sherman was there though but 
She like, loved it when Buddy was there. Again, Buddy goes on stage and beats up the performer. <laughs> almost knocks him unconscious. There's the no end, security? No, yeah, Jada Pinkett runs up afterwards and says, that was amazing. I can't believe you did that. Yeah. Just a lot of logic problems. Like, <laughs> can you can you imagine being the executive reading this script and being like, checks out. Perfect. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. Eddie likes it. That's good enough for me. Um, but the other thing is um, he pays with a credit card. Mm-hmm. And he pays with Sherman Klump's credit card. And one of his students is there at the bar and recognizes the name. Oh, no. So, yeah. so Yes, so. He goes after Buddy Love, and he's like, wait a second, why'd you take Sherman Klump's credit card as Buddy Love is transmogrifying back into Sherman through some really just top-shelf CGI? Oh, yeah. His his foot gets so fat that he presses down on the gas, and they just hurl down the street in reverse. Everyone's screaming. Absurd car chase, basically, scene. Also, um, what's the grad student's name? Do we ever know? I don't think we ever learned his name. I never <laughs> wrote it down. That's so sad. This poor guy. He's in like the biggest movie ever. No one knows his character's name. Uh, uh, yeah, so they're, they eventually, he eventually turns back into Professor Klump. The grad student is like, holy shit, like our DNA thing worked. This is amazing. They're in the middle of the street and the firefighters have to use the jaws of life to get... <laughs> clump out of the car because he's too big for the tiny car <laughs> there's another fat joke for you so clump starts to realize like okay this isn't sustainable um it turns out the formula is giving me like dangerously high levels of testosterone um maybe i'm better off being sherman clump uh and um he goes back to miss purdy uh and says you know maybe you shouldn't see that buddy love anymore yeah he's unreliable Uh, yeah he's kind of a douche yeah he's kind of a dick uh but you can come to dinner with my family which i have no idea why he thought that would be why good idea (laughs) god so Uh, they're at dinner and it's the same again six eddie murphy's there yeah the same bit of like so much food on the table and she's just staring in awe at how much they're eating Oh, my God. Horny-ass grandma. Horny-ass grandma asking her if she could wear white to her wedding because, you know, we're all horny (laughs) in the world. And asking, you know, when are y'all getting married? When are, uh, like, how how did you meet? Tell us about your relationship. And and Clump is like, no, we're just (laughs) colleagues. Like, it's, it's not like that. But they just keep escalating and escalating and escalating to the point where everyone's horny at the table. The brother's hitting on her. Yes, yeah. It's 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 a lot. But, you know, it can't be a family clump scene without some farting. Yeah. And that's where we eventually end up. Sherman is just Mortified. humiliated. Yeah. And everyone just starts farting. <laughs> it's funny to talk about it, but when you're watching it, it's not funny. Awful scene. Awful yeah, movie to watch. I think this is the point where I texted you and I was like, Jesus Christ, this movie. <laughs> And uh, eventually, Clump walks her home and is like, I'm so sorry about my family. She's like, don't worry about it. You know, I'm sorry if I'm just being a little bit, uh, I'm being a little bit weird. I just keep thinking about Buddy, which is just not something you want to talk about on a date with another person, but okay. (laughs) 
So Sherman's like, oh, looks like we got to bring Buddy back. So he brings Buddy back to the Ritz Hotel where he has a meeting with Larry Miller and a big wealthy donor, and he's going as Buddy. Um, he's just horny beyond belief. He wants to fuck, and he... <laughs> He wants to, so he wants to transform to Buddy. One thing I'm going to say, the establishing shot of the Ritz uh, Hotel, the music cue is Mozart's Eine Kleine Nacht music, which is a really good public domain music cue <laughs> to use when you want to establish that you're in a fancy place. Yes, yeah, super I know, fancy. And I know that because it's the same music cue that the same director, Tom Shadyak, used at the fancy party in Ace Ventura Pet Detective oh two years God. earlier. What an amazing catch, dude. Well done. I'm shaking your hand from afar. <laughs> well, one thing we we forgot to mention is uh, Clump runs into his boss again. And yes. he's like, dude, we got the last donor left. The last guy that is going to give our school money is, is going to be at the Ritz. You need to be there. If you don't, I will literally kill you. He yes. actually threatened to take his life. I and will so, strangle you until you die. <laughs> yes, yes. So so Buddy shows up at the Ritz, and apparently that's the same place where that meeting is supposed yeah. to be. And uh, Sherman's 40 minutes late, so Buddy's got to step in. Yeah. And but he's so horny. He's so horny. <laughs> he says to Jada Pinkett in the lobby of the Ritz, who's also there, he's like, I bet you have a thong made out of licorice on, don't you? And she smiles at it. She loved it. I don't get, who is this woman? <laughs> what, like, who, which values does she have? Because when she's with Sherman, she has one type of value. And then when she has, uh, when she's with Buddy, she has these other type of values, and I'm like, what's going on here? It's possible they wrote this script in real time. Like, was, <laughs> They're like, you love it. 90-minute writing session. Oh, but then, then the worst <laughs> thing that I, you didn't think was possible. I knew you were going to hate this scene. <laughs> the worst is possible. So Buddy is high on tea. He is... He is becoming the biggest douchebag. He erases the the chef specials from a chalkboard to put the formula up. He's treating this donor like a piece of shit. And then he goes into this whole presentation using the entire room and calling out people. I'm going to quote it. Calling out people's jello arms, turkey necks, saddlebag Mm. syndrome, their tank ass to talk about his formula and how it works. Because... He, w- he wants to change the genes in us that create those things so that we can all be thin. Yeah. And it was the worst. And it le- so, yeah, it's him roasting all these people in the restaurant at the Ritz for being fat. And then he gets to this table of three, I'm going to say thoughts, three thoughts. <laughs> and <laughs> Oh, I never thought I'd hear you say that, buddy. And, uh, and he, he holds up one of them and turns around. He's like, and what you want to get to is this, gluteus minimus, a.k.a. <laughs> A small, a small ass, a nice ass. Ooh, everybody has a nice ass at this table. Um, so this is, and we talked about this a little bit in a previous episode on um, He's Just Not That Into You. That movie's from 2009. That was also the era where you wanted to have no ass. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you wanted to have the flattest ass possible. 1996, no ass. No in ass. In between those times, there was a period where you wanted to have an ass. It was where Jennifer Lopez was popular. That's right. Um, 
and I would love say, don't cost a thing. And I would say after 2009, there were also times when you wanted to have an ass. I would argue we're currently in a pro ass environment. <laughs> um, yeah, we're currently pro ass. Uh, I'm but, very grateful for that. I'm grateful for that because that <laughs> means that there's more variety of jeans to buy. Um. And basically, so he wows the donor with this lecture somehow. Somehow. Um, and uh, and then he decides to celebrate by fucking the three women at that table that he was just talking to. Oh, and the other thing is the grandma let loose the the fact that Sherman was a virgin. Yes. And not anymore, according to Buddy. Yeah. So basically, like we, he he abandons Jada Pinkett to fu- to take these three women back to Sherman's house. <laughs> we cut to Sherman Clump waking up in bed with three three women next to him. He's transformed back into Sherman. There's handcuffs like on his doorknob. He's had like a giant party at his house, at the end of which he has fucked three women. Of course. Um. And he wakes up that morning and Jada Pinkett shows up and is like, what the fuck happened here? Um, yeah, she's like, do you share girls with Buddy? Like, what the fuck is going on? She jumps to immediately the only logical explanation. <laughs> <laughs> that Sherman Clump and Buddy are in some sort of polycule uh, where they're sharing sexual partners. Yeah, so he's like, no, 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 no. She leaves, though, because that's the way movies work. And... <laughs> And eventually is like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't let, Buddy's out of control. I can't let him destroy my life because at this rate, it's, the end is near. And decides to just get rid of the solution. Yeah, just dump it all down the sink in the lab. Get rid of the formula. And he's like, you know what? I want to get thin someday, but it's going to be through exercise and diet and a whole lot of drinking you know what what's called mega shakes in the movie because they couldn't get the rights to slim fast but it's slim <laughs> fast so yeah it's gonna be mega shake but guess what buddy buddy is one step ahead of him he saboteur slipped, he slipped the formula in the mega shake so that he could eventually take over sherman's life and drink enough formula to stay buddy love permanently what i mean i <laughs> i'm confused <laughs> So, so uh, the way that but the way that Sherman was taking the formula, it was a temporary thing. We have no timeline of like how long each dosage would no. last at all. And so I thought until he started to CGI himself back into Sherman that it was a permanent thing. That's not the case. So if you drink a certain level of the solution, you could be thin forever. Confusing. Don't I don't understand how it works because it, so, it seems like a small amount goes a long way, but like a big amount, I'm assuming is like a gallon, you know? Yeah. Well, so he, I, I believe the plan, and again, this film is not airtight in terms of plotting. <laughs> yeah. I believe the plan is, um, he wants to overdose on the formula because that'll permanently alter his gene structure. But as mm. Buddy's student warns him. If he does that, it, it, like it's going to make his genetics so unstable that he could die, right? Oh yeah, right. Um, so uh, the Did, just what are the rules? Uh, Again, are... this <laughs> this is a movie with rules and no rules all at the same time. Um, and so the climactic scene takes place at the alumni ball of this um 
uh, uh, college where they need to basically um, seal the deal with the big donor. So Buddy Love shows up. Um, he schmoozes in the donor, and he's brought, like, the flask of uh, uh, formula with him that he needs to finish in order to transform into Buddy permanently. But also, and again, the film is not airtight plotted. Um, he <laughs> needs to go up on stage and deliver a model. He needs to transform back into Sherman, partially, to show that the formula works, and then drink the rest of the formula. Um, so, so he goes up on stage, he's like, hey guys, it's Buddy Love, and this is the, you know, genetic formula that makes everybody thin, watch, I'm gonna turn into a big fat guy right now, uh, cause it's about to run out, turns to a big fat guy, he's like, uh, drinks some more formula, he's like, haha, now it's time, and then, you know, the student tries to stop it, the one time I laughed in the film is when the student yelled stop that man he's trying to kill professor sherman clump and sherman <laughs> and sherman's dad who's there is like oh i'm glad i brought my knife <laughs> and his mom and his mom goes and i brought my razor <laughs> yeah. um and then it is basically a one-man battle of wills where buddy love is trying to bring the formula up to his mouth and sherman's big fat hand is like grabbing his own wrist and pulling him down um terrible <laughs> terrible cgi as he transforms back into a fat guy this movie came out three years after jurassic park <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh as like a timeline using jurassic park as <laughs> as a, a milestone it makes me laugh um just awful 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 but sherman wins he he smashes the vial he gives a monologue again looking directly into the camera saying <laughs> i need to be happy with who i am and we reach minute 89 <laughs> it ends with him and jada pinkett doing the robot on the dance floor yeah, they're uh, very happy together because in the end, she really does like Sherman Clump. Somehow forgot about <laughs> Buddy. I don't. I don't know. It's not airtight. It's yeah. Uh, so yeah. the end credits music is Macho Man, which was also the end credits music on previous selection In and Out. There's only <laughs> folks. There's only like ten songs. Like, yeah. Period. In, yeah. 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 And we we've sure. heard all of them in these movies. <laughs> if you that's kind of the the bar that these movies set. It's like oh this song is used in this movie. We need to put it on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um. And there's a blooper reel at the end too, which oh uh, another God. artifact of the mid nineties. <laughs> so it's so bad. I don't understand how this movie was so popular. Like. Even that part where she's like, Hercules, Hercules, like that, that I don't that, get why that's funny. <laughs> incredible, incre not only incredibly popular, had a sequel, right? Had a theatrical sequel. Oh, yeah. But the sequel was just the family. It was, it was called The Nutty Professor to The Clumps mm -hmm. because they looked at the success of this film and said, no, what people want more of is the family farting around the dinner table. <laughs> the worst part of the movie. I, when I watch the movies that we watch for the pod, generally, I don't fast forward. There was, I think, one exception, and I, I forget which one it was. But I was just like, I'm just going to fast forward. To bring it down the house? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. 
But but this one, it, it felt like I couldn't fast forward because it kept getting worse and I didn't want to miss it. <laughs> it was very, very bad. I'm amazed that this is something that was so popular and referenced so much with people huge, our age. Huge part of pop culture. Yeah. The whole bad. the whole premise of one actor getting heavily makeuped to play multiple characters in a comedy um would happen many more times that decade and would happen yeah. uh and eddie murphy would do it more times he did it like i think less than 10 years ago when he made norbit like oh yeah <laughs> well they they did it in coming to america he and arsenio hall when they mm-hmm. were playing some guys at the club and that was probably the first time that they did that i don't know but uh i think he was like this worked but that- let's do it fatter <laughs> That's the other thing about this movie is like, you know, this is 10 to 15 years after Eddie Murphy was done with Saturday Night Live, you know, Trading Places was behind him, Coming to America was behind him, and this is like the first film he did that was just utterly crass, lowbrow, lowest common denominator, and probably the most successful film he's ever done, and this was kind of the turning point in his career, I think, when he started to say oh, if I just keep doing this, I can buy another house every time. <laughs> but in a different country. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, the consensus is this is very mean. Yeah, it's not good. It's not, a, it's good not a good It's not a good movie. It doesn't hold up. I don't know how it even held up when it came out, but I guess we all had different brains back then. Yeah. Who it's, knows? you know, like I said, I won an Oscar. The Oscar was for makeup. Uh, the makeup to turn him into Sherman Clump, I think, is very good. Yeah. Um, and I have no idea what else was nominated, so I don't know. Uh, you know, it's usually like period pieces and stuff like that. So, right. um, you know, uh, that's something. Um, and actually, as as one of the reviews that I pulled uh, indicates, the guy who did the makeup was Rick Baker, who, by the time this movie was made, had already won three other Oscars for doing makeup. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... Um, that's going to be my seamless transition <laughs> into the one review that I pulled, which is, as always, our hero, uh, Roger Ebert uh, from the Chicago Sun-Times. What up, um, Roger Ebert? He gave we this movie, you. wait for it, three stars. Oh, that's too many stars, <laughs> yeah. Roger. Uh, and Roger Ebert, you know, we've talked about this before, Roger Ebert was a populist. Like, he, he mm-hmm. loved, he loved crass comedy he loved lowbrow stuff he loved big dumb action films and that's what made him lovable as a film critic i think for sure um but i'm a little surprised he gave this one three stars (laughs) Um, (laughs) sherman's uh, quote sherman's tendency when worried is to eat and so he settles down with relief to the clump family dinner table every adult member of the clump family sherman's parents brother and granny is played by murphy who has always been a master of disguise. Remember him as Gumby? Okay, look. (laughs) The Gumby SNL costume is not like a master of disguise moment. I'm going to be a master of disguise. I'm going to be a master of disguise. (laughs) But here, he outdoes himself in a rising crescendo of vulgarity that would be disgusting if it weren't so funny. The audience laughed so hard at Papa Clump's approach to colon cleansing that I missed the next six lines of dialogue. Not oh only Oh my god. 
Not only does Murphy play the clumps, but he also scores big la- big laughs as a Richard Simmons clone on a TV exercise program. The character of Sherman himself is a triumph of effective disguise combined with good writing, no, and acting, <laughs> also no. no. The makeup by three-time Oscar winner Rick Baker adds pounds to Murphy's face and neck so seamlessly that Sherman looks completely convincing, and as Murphy plays him, Sherman becomes one of his most likable characters, no, good-hearted, mm. sympathetic, and funny. The ending is just as sentimental as no, as as in the original, with Sherman learning to accept himself and to be loved by Carla. He delivers a heartfelt speech, buddies who I thought I wanted to be, who I thought the world wanted me to be, but I was wrong. Eddie Murphy looks straight at the camera as he hits the last line, and it occurred to me that maybe he was referring indirectly to some of his recent career miscues. There's a lot of buddy love in the Eddie Murphy screen persona. Maybe too much and not enough Sherman Clump. But I've never doubted Murphy's comic gift, and the nutty professor shows him back on track, balancing two sides of a real talent. I want to know what movies he did before this that were considered bad. (laughs) Because I don't want to watch those. (laughs) Well, I know know the stuff he's done after this that was considered very bad. I mean, Meet Dave, um, Bedtime Stories, Daddy Daycare uh he's in grown-ups right uh with adam sandler like just some some bad bad stuff but i do want to check in with our dear friends at commonsensemedia.org ah common sense media i always dread looking at common sense (laughs) media because i don't know what i'm gonna find this one wasn't as popular with reviews with parents actually i only found five parent reviews and they were pretty everyone is in agreement that it's not the most appropriate movie however um there was one this person's username is fuzzy furry gaming so they're an adult they're a parent they're a parent this is i'm already a fan yeah 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 for sure four stars from this uh raider it's a fine film sure it has a few uses of the n-word but it is an outdated film but it is fine for kids as they will not understand it and it flashes by very fast. <laughs> this probably the most honest review for sure. Um, someone watched it with their 12 year old daughter, turned it off after 45 minutes, that kind of thing. The what interested me most is who is this movie for? So I looked in the kids section. There are a lot of kids who are really offended by the language used. Cunnilingus was called out a few times. Yep, yep that's in there. Um, yeah. There is one that. Uh, there are a few that I liked. Kid, 11 years old. They don't ask for usernames for kids, which I think is smart. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Three out of five stars. Slightly dodgy, but not the worst. This is a dodgy film and can be very disturbing, but can be funny at times, too. Not for family watchers. This is also a nice idea. However, the show... However, show the film in a way that is not as good as it could have been. And this is a potential comedy writer at 11 years old, knowing that it had more potential and didn't live up to it. Uh, Kid 12 years old wrote, hilarious, three stars. This is a funny movie, but the jokes are inappropriate. There is some bad language, but the next day you will probably tell your friend how funny it is. (laughs) Which I think was very honest and sweet. It's like, yeah, I got to fit in. So it's kind of like how I felt about Napoleon Dynamite. Like I didn't get it, but I was like, I'm going to quote it, I guess. Um, now it holds up. I like it. Okay. This one was a very thoughtful one. Teen, 13 years old. 
best Eddie Murphy comedy ever. Five stars. It is no small wonder that this won an Academy Award for makeup. Next to Adam Sandler, I think of Eddie Murphy as the best of the comedian kings. I think that whoever wrote the review for this might be getting it confused with Norbit, another makeup-filled Eddie Murphy comedy, but one that has zero taste or originality. But this film is fantastic, and it is sure to drive nostalgic Murphy fans out of their minds. While there is a lot of gross humor, language, and sex-filled dialogue, there's also a good message about believing in yourself and not focusing on how much you weigh. The Klump family is also stupidly hilarious, and it's clearly what got the film its Oscar, Murphy at his best. Sorry, you said Adam Sandler and Eddie Murphy are the two best of the comedy kings? Yeah, I'm I'm sure that they include, what's his name, King of Queens guy. Oh, Kevin James. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the comedy kings, I guess. Just imagining getting a vhs uh like that you think is the original kings of comedy but it's like a knockoff and it's the comedy kings and it's sandler eddie murphy kevin james and then like gary valentine kevin james's cousin i don't know man but those are the reviews that i that were you know readable a lot of people really loved some people the kids loved it they loved the hearing cunnilingus in the movie they think it's very funny yeah and the context for that everyone uh is when it's when miss purdy goes to dinner with the clump family and grandma who i don't remember if we said this or not but she's horny she's a horny grandma uh everyone loves a horny grandma everyone loves a horny grandma she she says uh she says are you and sherman having relations you know, I used to have relations all the time. You know, but, you know, sometimes I would even have relations with myself. And then at, at some point, with I would say very little warning, she says, "A little cunnilingus never hurt nobody." Which, while that may be like technically true, <laughs> you don't want to hear that from your grandma. You don't want to hear that from your grandma. I don't care how <laughs> horny she is. Ultimately, not a great movie. No, do not watch it. Do not watch it. You don't do have to. Recommend. We watched it so you didn't have to for real. It is 90 minutes, which I I honestly really appreciate. Yeah, I mean, you'll never get those 90 minutes of your life back though, so use them wisely. I'd do something else, you know? Like if you have like a goal in life, like do take a step towards that. My instead. favorite thing is when my wife is like, "Hey, do you want to like watch uh, great british baking show together you know do you want to um, <laughs> do you want to like do anything that is a, a very nice way to pass the time with your wife or family like anything like that and i'm like no no i have to watch the nutty professor <laughs> before sunday so we can record um that's my favorite uh thing to say <laughs> oh my god i asked my boyfriend if he wanted to watch it with me and he was like I want to say yes, but I'm scared because I remember as a kid that I thought it was funny. And I was like, it's okay. You were a kid. I understand. And so he ended up not watching it. it. Like, it does feel like a movie for children. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I have vivid memories of tiny specific men, little boys that were like really mean to me and my girlfriends because we like the Spice Girls and we wore like big platform shoes. Mm -hmm. And they would always say, they would always reference this movie and I never knew what it was from. 
But looking back, I'm like, this makes sense. <laughs> Who those kids were and it, what this movie is. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the best way to describe it. It's a movie for children, but it just happens to use the N-word a lot and also yeah. references Cunnilingus. who do you think he thought this was for kids i like i don't know i mean maybe he just wanted like he was just like i'm just gonna make it big and dumb because sometimes doing dumb things is fun which hey i get it yeah but there i mean at what cost (laughs) at what cost (laughs) ultimately i think the the reason why i don't like the movie besides the obvious besides all of the very obvious reasons yeah it's just the message that is relayed at the end about loving yourself meanwhile we just watched like 87 minutes of everyone being awful to a fat person Mm -hmm. so it's like i i don't know i don't know what to get behind (laughs) so that's where i it's a little too gray for me I, i would rather it be a black and white kind of thing but, you know, whatever. Well, whatever. He made him money. He has more as, money than me. Who, who, who am I? As, as always, we conclude our episode by saying, well, whatever. That's... <laughs> <laughs> um, as always, folks, um, thank you for listening. We have some very exciting stuff planned for season three. Uh, yeah. I think it's going to be... Uh, there are some movies on this list I'm really looking forward to, and then some I'm really not looking forward to. At I know, all. and I think I'm going to pick those on purpose. <laughs> so I'm very excited for the comedy juggernaut season three. Yeah, so please uh, subscribe, uh, whether you are on Apple or Spotify or Stitcher or whatever your podcast app is. If you're able to leave a review, that is a wonderful way to help us and help other people find our show. Um, and follow us uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's probably should in all three cases. We will see you next week. Bye! So I reached from a party and a tire. So did a job to defeat Sumatra. Hit the focus of the shade. Eyes on the tree, y'all broke, y'all we made it. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Such a dust of the new paradise. To all the neighbors who got much favor. Take it back to the old school track.